WFO Cleveland listeners, we're so excited to be bringing you bonus content this week of our upcoming podcast that we're launching with our senior leader, Steve Witt. Look out for it because our channel is launching soon. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Steve Witt Podcast. Hey, this is Steve Witt, pastor of Bethel Cleveland. Welcome. What I'm doing each week is I'm spending time unpacking some concepts of what God's been speaking into my heart. Right now, we're in a series at our church called Word, W-O-R-D, period. And I want to talk about the power of the Word of God in changing our lives. And so that's what I've been doing on Sunday. This past Sunday, actually, I talked about the guiding power of God I know some of you out there right now are needing guidance. In these times we live in right now, there's such a great need for direction and understanding and why am I this way and where is God taking me and, you know, how did I get into this situation? I mean, it's all, I talk to people all the time and they've, they've got this uh, barrage of difficulties and challenges they're facing. I want to help you a little bit. Of course, I've been a pastor for 44 years. I was a uh, a business coach for nine years in Canada and into the United States and moved back here in 1996 and uh, just been spending my time studying the Word of God and trying to see it expressed in a local group of people called the church, the Ecclesia. So this past Sunday, I started talking about Psalm 119. And the verse that stood out in my mind is a a very popular verse that you probably all know, and you might even have it stuck to your fridge by a magnet or something, but it says this, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now this already, this deals with two major issues. Your word is a lamp to my feet, which speaks to how we walk, how to walk, like the path that's in front of me, what is in front of me? I need the Word of God to create a construct into my life. The Word of God itself creates boundaries for your life. There is a move in the church right now to remove boundaries. And of course, terrible walls of anger and fear and control, they all need to be removed. But don't be fooled. There are boundaries in our life. There's guardrails there. There's indicators along the way. There are signs to say, turn right up here, slow down, whatever it might be. It's thus is the kingdom of God. I mean, there are signs along the way. But when you read the word, not only does it bring a light to your path where you go, but a lamp to your feet, how you walk that path. So I see it as two different things. I see the light is obviously revelation, clarity, openness, all those things. When you read the word of God, boom. Lights go on. Aha. And the funny thing is, it doesn't matter where you're reading. I do one of these, you know, read through the Bible in a year deal. It gives you Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, Proverbs. And, you know, if you do it right, a little bit each day, about 15, 20 minutes, at the end of the year, you've read through the Bible. I like doing it. I just like, I I shift it up a little bit at times, but not much. Sometimes I'll just stick in the New Testament for a while, you know, because I got weary in Leviticus or something like that. But at the end of the day, you know, we're reading through the Bible and we're letting the Bible speak to us. We're letting the Bible shape us. 
This isn't just about memorizing scripture, although I believe in that very much. It's not just about checking a little box saying, I put in my spiritual, <laughs> my spiritual, those things that we do that are spiritual, that are rituals, I put it in, you know? I mean, there's there's no big card, you know, uh, grade card and uh, report card in Canada that God is keeping on you and how much you study. It is literally your survival to study the Word of God. It is not Shakespeare. It is not good writing. It is the living Word of God. It is active and powerful, and it reshapes your life. It puts light on the path in front of you and a lamp for your feet. That lamp is a construct. That lamp is what happens when you study the Word of God, when you read the Word of God, when you meditate on the Word of God. You are forming a framework of thinking in your mind. That sounds kind of supernatural. It is. It is supernatural. It's spirit and truth. It's the fluidity of the Holy Spirit and the solidity of the Word of God. And when you bring the two of those together, you're creating something in your life that's going to allow you to to be able to shift and shape and change when you need to, when God speaks to you, but also you have absolutes that are deep in your heart. I tell you, there's not a lot of absolutes right now. I used to think that, you know, if you were a male, you knew you were a male, and that's absolute. If you're female, you knew you were a female, and that was an absolute. All those things are going to end the question right now, at least with some people. The absolutes that we depended upon are being challenged in many ways. Distrust in government, distrust in what people say, I mean, over the past couple of years with the pandemic, it it shut us down and shut us up in many ways. But people are coming out right now, but now we're facing cultural wars where so many things are popping and exploding all around us. We think, what is our future with inflation is out of control and, and immigration is flooding across our southern borders and we don't know who's there and and, you know, there's no problem with any of this stuff. I mean, God will help your finances. God will make sure that you have food. We trust in the Lord. And and we know even immigration, God will work that out. But we want to live in a place of laws and a place of order. I mean, crime is at a phenomenal rate right now, uh, particularly in some of the big cities in the United States. People freely just go in and take whatever they want in a store and challenge you as a as a racist or a bigot or whatever, if you try to lift your voice in any way. Cancel cultures strong as people are trying to cancel the very words and at least intimidate you so that you think twice before you say anything. In the midst of that, the Lord is asking us to stand up confidently as people who know who we are, know what my vision and direction is, and are about the things of God. Not in some religious way, pointing out other people's sins and judging people and everything else, but in a passion of the heart and the love of God to reach people. As it says in Corinthians, that it's as if God is pleading through us. I mean, there's this desire like in God through us. Creation groans for the sons of God to come forth. Come forth, sons of God. Come on, where are you, sons and daughters of God? Come forth in strength. Open your mouth. Speak powerfully of the things you know that you have no doubt about, that God is real, 
that his son Jesus died for our sins, that his Holy Spirit came 40 days after he ascended into heaven, and boom, the power of God came. It wasn't 40 days after he ascended, actually it was 10 days, but 40 days after he, he raised from the dead, uh, 50 days on Pentecost, he ascended. I'll get this straight in a minute. He ascended into the heavens, and when he did, it was the is game on for the church. Holy Spirit comes and powers the church. Boom, now we have a light just like the Jews did. We have a leading of the Holy Spirit. We have the fire by night and the cloud by day. And that cloud keeps us cool in the hot desert sun, and that fire keeps us warm in the cold desert nights. This is the God that we follow. And we follow him, and he's a light to our path. He's a lamp to our feet. And so anyway, I was talking about that the other day, and I loved it and got into talking about how much the Word has impacted my life. <clears throat> it's really pretty amazing how the Word of God, the Bible, forget just a moment, prophetic revelation. I know it's hard to separate the two. One is kind of rhema, one is logos. But just forget that just for a minute, the fact that God speaks through us through dreams and through what people say. And so detailed, he speaks to us through nature and even through movies and culture and entertainment. It's like God is everywhere because he is. And so there he is, God speaking to us. But it's all coming out of the word of God, the Bible. It's why it is the anchor for us. It's what we determine. Every word of God that we get in our life has to be based on something that we anchor to in what we call the Bible, the word of God. So anyway, I remember when I first moved back to Cleveland, I left Cleveland, Ohio in 1986 uh, because I had a call of God to go to Canada. It actually had first been realized in me when I was in grade five. I didn't know it at the time, but it was pretty obvious that he was calling me to a future adventure in New Brunswick, Canada. So, you know, years down the road, uh, positions, conditions came to a point where it was the right time to go. I went, and it was a powerful 10-year time in Canada. I cherish it. I love it. I thank the Lord for the people that I met up there. I thank the Lord for how I grew during that time. I mean, in a very selfish way, I think those 10 years in Canada, a lot of it was for me. You know, just to get me straightened out and get me healed up and get me ready for what God wanted to do, you know. But it was also for a group of people that we worked with there. The mighty revival that came in 1994 that swept us out of that place into the entire region and around the world to over 30 nations, speaking to groups of thousands of people and seeing God move in powerful ways. I love it. I love it. I love it. That is the word of God. That's the way he speaks. But when I came back from Cleveland, it was a series of prophetic words, and it was also a series of the Word of God in Scripture that quickened me and assured me of the prophetic words that were coming forth in my life. I remember Bill Hammond uh, from Christian International. I love Bill. I, I used to know him a little bit closer on a personal basis in the 90s, so, you know, went over to his uh, home or his office there in Santa Rosa Beach area in the Panhandle of Florida. He's a great prophetic guy. He's raised up 10,000s of prophetic people around the world, and I thank the Lord for him every time he comes to my mind. But Bill gave me some powerful words, and in that, if you a really good prophet uses a lot of Scripture, 
because the Lord constantly attaches us back to his word, just like Jesus when he read out of Psalm or read out of Isaiah 61 as he was reading. <laughs> this became a very personal word for him. And he realized when he closed the book to today, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, it's like, whoa, this is about me. You may have thought he pre-knew that, foreknew that, whatever. And maybe he did. I really don't know. But I know that Scripture became the basis of what he did. And sure enough, even when he was in the wilderness for 40 days, Scripture sustained him through the 40 days. Every time the enemy would tempt him, he would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. That's the way a Jesus life is. When you're a believer, your very call and who you are, your identity and so forth is all in God's word. In Jesus' case, it was Isaiah 61. In your case, it may be another verse, another place in the Bible. When I was 19 years old, the Lord gave me Romans 5.17, the second part of it. it. says, through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we shall reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Boom! That was my verse. <laughs> I mean, it's been my verse now for, I don't know how long is that, 40, 46 years. I'm 65 right now. 46 years, that word has been a continual well that I've drank out of many, many times. When I begin to doubt who I am, where I'm going or whatever, he's called me to reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Why? Because I've got an abundance of grace, more than what I need. And I got a gift of righteousness, which means I'm right before God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You can't get any better than that. Well, Bill Hammond, he, he spoke a couple words to me that were powerful in the mid-1990s that dislodged me out of Canada, as well as with many prophetic words that were given. But he said, you've camped around this mountain long enough. It's time to go. And I, as soon as he said it, that verse had already been in my mind. That verse, It was like a confirmation from God. Who picks that to speak over someone? Well, God did through his Holy Spirit and into Bill Hammond and then to me. It came out and I realized, oh my, I think this is a time that God is God is shifting me. He's moving me. He, he continued to prophesy and said, you were in a valley of dry bones and you saw the Spirit come over the bones and raise up an army and there was shaking in the valley. Well, the funny thing was, I was in the midst of a revival when he spoke that word where one of the primary manifestations that came upon people was shaking. And we studied the we studied church history and in the recent 200 years, there's been a lot of shaking associated with revivals, be it John Wesley or Jonathan Edwards or others, many times shaking, groaning, crying out, even laughter at times would happen. And this revival had those things. So when Bill's speaking about that, which is pure scripture right out of Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones, I realized Canada for me was a, a Valley of Dry Bones. But in the midst of that, the wind of the Lord came over and began to quicken my spirit. And I saw shaking, shaking of the bones, bones against bones, bones against bones, shaking in the valley, coming together as a mighty, great army of God. I mean, that was just amazing confirmation. So he went on and on and talked about so many different things. And then, of course, there were many revelations that came along with that where I feel like, okay, this is 
the word of the Lord. And I can trust in God to do that. Let me tell you something. I have talked to Christians that are trusting in other things. I know we kind of joke about, uh, you know, uh, let's see, uh, you go to a, an Asian restaurant and you get your fortune cookie. And so, you know, you get around a table of prophetic people, we kind of joke and laugh and say, let's see what, what the word is for our lives. And it's kind of funny. I don't know how this works, but God can even encourage you through a fortune cookie. He's, he's that detailed. But I don't go to fortune cookies to get my information. Sometimes I don't go to get anything to get any information, but God speaks anyway. And a scripture came to me out of 1 Chronicles. It's very interesting about Saul, the king of old over Israel, when he died for his unfaithfulness. So he died with a purpose, and it was unfaithfulness. He died for his unfaithfulness, 1 Chronicles 10, 13, which he had committed against the Lord. Because, listen to this really carefully. He died of unfaithfulness, which he had committed against the Lord, because he did not keep the word of the Lord, and also because he consulted a median for guidance. If you're getting your guidance outside of Christ, you're getting either temporal, earthly wisdom. And by the way, there's nothing totally wrong with that. Most of our lives are built in the temporal realm on temporal wisdom. But there is an eternal wisdom that comes from above that is amazingly powerful in shaping your lives. So you get a connection with God that allows you to have communication to make the big choices in your life. And so he consulted a median for guidance. In today's culture, that could be a fortune teller. It could be a median of some sort, witchcraft, whatever. Let me just tell you right now, if you go to that, if you've been to that, you need to cleanse your soul of it and cry out to God and say, Lord, I trusted in something other than you, something that wasn't just eternal, was not uh, uh, temporal. It was actually uh, demonic and hellish. And Lord, forgive me, Lord, and cleanse me in the name of Jesus Christ. I refute that. Every time in the Old Testament that Israel or Judah turned around, the first thing they did is they went to the high places, the places of exaltation, the places of worship. They went to the high places and they tore down the idols. They tore down anything that represented information and guidance from anything other than God. I'm not saying to have a life coach is a bad thing or to get counsel from your Uncle Frank. You know, that's not a bad thing. And to hang out with your mom and dad, there is wisdom in the counsel of many. The counsel of many is not necessarily wisdom, but there's wisdom in the counsel of many. And you seek it out. And you seek it out from the Lord. But you do not go to the other side. You do not go to medians, to demonic advice, to consultations of all sorts. And you know in your knower, as someone who's grown up in a spirit-filled place, when you're getting close to something that is not godly guidance. Because of that, it was something committed against the Lord, and Saul ended up dying for his unfaithfulness. It has the sense of death, that the wages of sin is death. All wages of sin are death. That's why we, we regularly confess our sins to the Lord. We bring them before him, not thinking that we are missing out in eternal life. 
Eternal life comes through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, but we cleanse ourselves continually by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, saying, Lord, wash me in your word. The word of God will cleanse you of those things. The word of God is so powerful. I could talk about it all day, and I'm probably going to do so for the next couple of podcasts. But the Bible says in Psalm 25, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all day long, all the day. Amazing. What if our government was like that? I dream about that periodically. I think, well, we need guidance in our nation. <clears throat> oh, my gracious. If we've ever been in a time right now where where I mean we've got a we've got a president. God bless the president. He's he is he's having a difficult time. Sometimes he's very lucid. Other times he's just out of it. It's 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 horrible. It's almost like it's an assignment on America against us. And I don't know what he's like internally. I I can only bless and pray that God would touch his soul, administer to him deeply, and that all things that are not true would be taken away, and that truth would be revealed as, as lies are exposed and judgment is brought into those situations. But we ask from God for mercy. We ask for God for grace. But we ask for God for the judgment of heaven to come and purge and cleanse our nation. You know, I read a lot about, I've read a lot about the fall of Rome, actually, and Rome probably is one of the more popular empires in world history that's referred to many different times. And it arguably went about a thousand years. I mean, 500 years, it started to move into collapse. Right around the time that Christians began to appear out of Galilee and Jerusalem and started to shift people's thinking and minds that Rome was not the ultimate uh, loyalty and by the way, that's important to remember with the United States. We love, I love the United States. It's its my favorite country by far. I've been all around the world, but I still love coming home to America. It's crazy and kooky and, and cheeky and cheesy it is at times. It's just a beautiful nation. The geography, the topography, the people, the cultures, the custom, the fact that it has open arms to the entire world. My wife is an immigrant. I believe in immigration. I love immigrants. I love what they bring to the United States. But right before the collapse of Rome, they they allowed their borders to be invaded, particularly to the north. Uh, the barbarians, they called them barbarians apparently because of the way they sounded to the Roman ear. It sounded like they were saying bar, 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 bar. So they called them barbarians. They're actually Germans from the north, and they they uh, what we know today as Germans and even Celts came across the river, the Rhine up there in season, and where they would have been fought back before, they were allowed to penetrate, even getting in and marrying uh, uh, wives and taking women uh, of the Roman culture, and uh, Rome kind of slacked off on that on the outer edges and the outer outer borders, and they began to be invaded which ultimately, over decades, eroded the principles of Rome. Rome was not perfect. It was not a godly environment. 
but it had begun to turn to God, obviously in some religious ways with Constantine and others in the days ahead. But finally, finally, Rome fell. The barbarians got over the walls, invaded Rome, and it took uh, hundreds of years really for the full collapse. But a young man, actually not real young, but in his 50s, I believe at that time, a true Roman named Augustine uh, witnessed the collapse and was devastated by it. It'd be just the same as you if the United States or whatever country you're hearing it from that you love dearly collapsed. Uh, it's it's It messes with your head. It messes with your soul. I can only imagine what people in Ukraine are feeling right now. The loss of the things that are familiar, the loss of the dreams, the hopes, the destiny that you have for you, your children, and your grandchildren. So Augustine was feeling the effect of this, and, and Christians were being accused of causing the Roman Empire to collapse. And uh, who knows what degree of uh, influence they may have had in that. Nobody really knows. But Augustine wrote a 2,000-page book called The City of God. And in The City of God, he calls us, and it's so powerful, the wisdom, the guidance of Augustine— from what he saw in Scripture hundreds of years after the New Testament period, seeing a beautiful nation in his mind collapsing all around him, just like the United States right now, we're seeing a slow bleed every day of the values of not just the United States, but Western civilization dripping away piece by piece. The collapse of all things that we've held dear is happening right around us. Is there a way out? I believe there is. I believe, though, that this is a time of prayer right now where we call together and we get into the Word of God. We get our minds. You know, you say, what can I do? I can't do anything. I can't watch TV anymore. It freaks me out. I get depressed. I don't know what to do. What are we going to do for our children? Are we going to lose everything? Is my money going to be worthless? Am I going to be unemployed? Am I going to starve? I mean, all these things come to people's minds when we're thinking through this. God's learning, we're learning by God to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and to lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge him. Here's a guidance word, and he shall direct your path. Augustine began to write about how the, what he called the city of man and the city of God. City of God is heaven, the city of man is earth, the two governments coming together. How do they live? And and he was learning that, that the city of God is more important than the city of man. Remember, he was a devout. He loved Rome. He loved Rome. He loved the Roman Empire. He loved being a Roman. But he realized that possibly he had put too much faith in earthly temporal governments. Thank God for good governments on earth. But they're not the cure-all. They're not God. So meditating on that and then, and then saying, but the kingdom of God, the city of God is more important. So he said things like this. Listen to this. This is, you know how we've had defund the police and anarchy in the streets, the summer of 2020, a little bit, a little bit on the summer of 2021. Uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of disruption even to this day. As I mentioned earlier, people going in randomly and just taking items and not paying for them. And there's a lot of crime in the streets. I mean, I just heard last night on the news, a man 
in New York who was hit by a car on purpose. He was a pedestrian hit by a car. This is what was reported. A person got out of the car, went over and robbed him and got back in the car and took off. So his weapon was his car. While the man was laying there broken in critical condition, other people came out of their houses and robbed him also. When you hear a story like that, you know that is a taste of a subculture that we do not want to be a majority in our country. And so something grips our heart. What can I do? You know what you can do? You can, you can get your life in line with the purposes of God and ready yourself for whatever God has. Walk in holiness. This is not a time to dance on the edges. This is a time to cling to Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your might, and in him you will find peace. But it's interesting, Augustine gave, gave uh, advice, guidance for earthly governments like the United States. If I could sit in front of President Biden right now and, and speak to him knowing that he had an open mind to hear what I would say, I'd say, here's what Augustine said in the time of the collapse of Rome. He said this, quote, the power of a king, the power of the sword exercised by a judge, the discipline of a lord, and the firmness of a good father. Get that? The firmness of a good father. While these things are feared, the wicked are kept within bounds, and the good live more peacefully among the wicked. Augustine believed the ultimate goal of earthly kingdoms is peace. Peace and safety. Right now, our ultimate goal is peace and safety, not to encourage violence, not to encourage a, 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 a non-vetting border of people coming in. We want more immigrants. In fact, I've, I've been encouraging people, let's open the gate wide. Whatever we bring in, if we bring in a million immigrants a year, let's bring in two million. I, I think America needs it. But let's not just let them pour across the border. That's not the kingdom of God. Christians are soft on this because they don't understand history and they don't understand what's happened before. If we continue to allow this, we will lose our nation. It will look very different than what it looks like now. The freedoms you have of just wandering and moving at will will end. The fearlessness you have of being able to go to the store possibly without being obstructed in some way or molested in any way will end. Your fear for your children and grandchildren will expand until we stand up and say enough is enough. We are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, and we need to find peace here on earth. It will never totally be heaven on earth. But can we not lean in that direction and allow the power and presence of God? So in a defund the police culture, I say refund the police. <laughs> Give them money to come back to work. I don't know what you need to do, but let's get the police. Let's pay them good amounts. Let's treat them as stewards of this great nation that God has given us. Same with our military. Honor them. When they make mistakes, bring it up in court. Deal with it in a just and righteous way. But do not paint everyone with the same brush. They are here with a sword for a purpose, to keep the wicked away so that we, our children and our grandchildren, can walk and move in peace. So how do you do that? I'll close with this. How do you, how do you get your life in a place where you can hear clearly from the word of the Lord, hear clearly from God his direction in your life. It says in Psalm 119, how can a young man cleanse his way? Well, let's let's make it let's make it broader. How can a young man or a woman 
cleanse her way by taking heed according to your word. Whether you're young, middle-aged, or old like me, or really old, I can tell you right now, the Word of God, the Bible, is one of your best hopes for your future. Get into the Word of God. Buy a Bible that you can hold in your hand. I know we get it online. I think it's great. It's very convenient, you know, to have the Word read to you on your way to work. There's nothing wrong with that. It's really good. You're doing a great thing. But get a Bible that you can hold in your hand. You can mark in the margins. I know it sounds a little old-fashioned, but I love it. There's something about the tactile tactile application of using your hands, your eyes, and even maybe your ears to study the Word of God. Plow through it. Meditate on it. That Word, that Word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. It will guard your life, and it will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Hey, until I see you again next week, stay tuned. We'll be dropping these each week just to help you out a little bit more on things that I've shared on Sunday. I hope it helps. God bless. Email us, contact us on BethelCleveland.com or send me an email at istevewitt at gmail.com. I'll read it. I'll respond the best I can. Love you guys. God bless and have a great week.